I'm delighted and honored to be here this evening. My only qualification, I think, for being here is that I'm a child of the King. Can we say that tonight? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus loves me. As I begin this evening, I'm aware of the fact that some of my friends from my last assignment in South Korea uh, are trying to listen in via webcam. And I don't know if it's a live feed or not, but if so, guys, it's 11 o'clock Thursday morning and you're supposed to be working, so uh, <laughs> cut out and check back later. The Lord has been very good to me and has honored me with the opportunity to serve him around the world. And uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity to come and participate here at uh, Nazarene Bible College. I consider it a great honor that uh, God would allow me to intersect with your lives and learn from you and perhaps you can learned some things uh, through my experiences as well. I had one of those conversations with the Lord this week that you're not really supposed to have, um, and I told him, you know, there are lots of educated people going to be in the room on Wednesday night, and um, they have doctor's degrees, and they know more about Scripture than I'll ever know, and I want to talk about world-changing leadership. And I said, uh, I would uh, really like to focus on this leadership topic and would like to talk about where does authority come from and uh, talk about the informal authority and formal authority and, and where do we get authority and what is the proper use of authority and all of that. Uh, or I would like to talk about, if we can move to the next slide, I would like to talk about leadership styles and leadership capability and situational leadership and some of those topics. Or, Lord, if you'd let me, I would like to talk about, can we have the next slide, please? I would like to talk about champions of change and that as leaders we have to set the environment and we have to do these kinds of things by leading by example. And he said to me, no, that's not what I want you to talk about. <laughs> I want you to talk about how do you deal with disappointment. I think all of us can testify tonight that we have had to deal with disappointment. Some of you walked in here tonight with a smile on your face. You walked in here putting on a front that things are great and wonderful, but down in your heart, you're dealing with disappointment. It may be an issue at home. It may be a financial issue. It may be a spiritual issue. I don't know. But I know that every one of us, at some point in our life, has to deal with disappointment. Let's look together uh, at Luke chapter 24. 
long passage of scripture, so we will have to read quickly uh, tonight. Luke 24, verse 13 through 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. I want to start by telling you a story. Gary Carr tells a story about Chippy. Chippy is a small bird. And one day, he's sitting in his cage, just like he does every day, and he's sitting there singing. And his owner comes to the cage and begins to clean the bottom of the cage and get the excess seeds and dirt and things out of there. And as he is cleaning the cage, suddenly his cell phone rings. And as he reaches for his cell phone, the hose of the sweeper he was using kind of went awry and sucked poor Chippy right into the sweeper. In a frantic, the, the man throws the phone down and he drops to his knees and he scrambles and pulls the, the sweeper apart and pulls Chippy out of the dust and the dirt and here's Chippy just kind of lying there, not moving, 
And he thinks, what have I done? What can I do? And he thinks, oh, I know, I, I need to get him cleaned off. So he jumps up and he runs into the bathroom where he turns the faucet to the tub on full force. And he takes Chippy and thrusts him under that ice-cold water. And the water washes all the dirt away, but Chippy still is not coming to life. And the man said, I wonder, what can I do for him? He's sopping wet. He'll never fly like this. And about that time, he spies the hairdryer. And he jumps up and he gets the hairdryer and he blows Chippy off with that hot air. I'm not sure, but I'm told poor Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> kind of sits in his cage and stares off into space. <laughs> I think most of us know what that's like to be Everything's going pretty well for us. We think we've got control of our situation and everything's kind of the way it's supposed to be and suddenly we get sucked in and we get washed up and we get blown off and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Have you been there? Disappointed with our situation. How do we deal with disappointments? We survive, but maybe we're not singing much anymore. Is there help for us when we're in that situation? Let's look together at this passage of Scripture. A few things that I would like you to notice about this passage of Scripture. First of all, this was history's most important moment. Right? Christ had just risen from the dead. And in retrospect, we can look back and say, this is the greatest day of all time. But here are Christ's disciples, downtrodden, defeated, dreading tomorrow, not sure what they should be doing. And they're walking in the wrong direction. They're walking away from their support group. They're walking away from the other disciples, and they're going off by themselves. They're preoccupied. Their hopes are dashed. They, they don't know what to do. They don't understand what just happened to them. They just got blown off, and they don't know what's happening. They misunderstood what God was trying to do. They misunderstood his purposes. They misunderstood, and they assumed that God had failed, and they were sad today. And in that, the living, breathing Christ comes alongside and changes their perspective. can't quite see what I'm doing. Would you? The living, breathing Christ can change our perspective when we are in those situations. When we are overwhelmed and we don't understand and things aren't going right and everything is piling up on us. Let's notice a few things about this passage of Scripture. First of all, Christ wants to commute with us. 
just as you're going from class to class, as you're going from home to work, as you're going from church on the weekend back home, whatever it is you're doing, Christ wants to commute with you. He wants to be there with you. He wants to be there alongside you. When we're worried, when we're wiped out, when we're distressed, God is there, and He wants to commute with us. He says in His Scripture, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. And He also says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come with you. He will come with you. Some years ago, I uh, was young and foolish. And I decided God wanted me to go to Bible college. I was working on a master's degree in engineering. I had a family. And now, all of a sudden, I'm traveling back and forth to school. When I finished that, I could not decide whether God wanted me to quit work at General Motors and go full-time as a pastor or not. In my indecision, I made what was probably a stupid decision. I decided to try to do both. Work full-time at General Motors and pastor a church. The problem was, one of the problems was that this church was 107 miles away from my workstation. So every Monday morning I would get up and I would drive to work. I would spend the night with my folks on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday night I would go back for prayer meeting, spend the evening with my family and go back Thursday morning to my job 107 miles away. I think in retrospect, not too smart. However, I did it believing it was God's will for me. And because of that, he took good care of me. In that 100,000 plus miles of traveling in four years I was there, I never had one flat tire. I never had one problem with a vehicle. I, I never had an accident. I can't tell you how many deer I had to stop and wait for in southern Indiana, but God took care of me. And in those, in those days of traveling back and forth, I learned this lesson that God just wants to be with us. And, you know, when I stopped doing that, as crazy as it sounds, I missed that time with God. He was just there commuting with me, helping me think through things. God wants to commute with you. He is with you even when you think he is far, far away. God is there. Even when you don't feel like he's there, even when it doesn't seem like he's there, God is commuting with us. Not only does he want to commute with us, but he wants to converse with us. He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you through his word and through his ministers and through other ways. When all hope is gone, God wants to speak to you. In this passage, Christ asked these two travelers two questions. Both of them were open-ended kinds of questions, questions that were probing, getting them to think about what had happened, getting them to talk about what had happened, 
God was drawing it out of them, saying, what has happened to you? What's going on? And it's interesting to me that even though they were disappointed and discouraged, they managed to get some of the points right. I think if it, they were NBC students, they might have gotten a, a D or so. You know, they, they got some partial credit here. They, they got a lot of the details right. They understood, they knew the details. They just couldn't see the bigger picture. But God wanted to talk to them. In Corinthians, oh, oh and they also spoke in past tense. We had hoped. Ah, when hope is gone, right? There's a neat passage in scripture where it says, they didn't bother the teacher anymore. Why should we bother the teacher anymore? All hope is gone. There's nothing else that can be done. And the disciples here, all of their hope was gone. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says in the message, you already have more access to God than you can handle. You already have more access to God than you can handle. And I love that passage. You know, when we're disappointed, when we're discouraged, when we think things aren't going right, and we can't see the big picture, and, and we've got our head down, God is there with us. He is commuting with us, and he is trying to converse with us. You already have more help than you know what to do with. And then James chapter 1, verse 5. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. He loves to help. That's what he's there for. He's there to commute and to converse with you. God wants to help us. The disciples' problem was not a problem of the head. They had the facts. They understood that but they were trapped by their own understanding. They had a heart problem. They didn't think God was big enough to deal with their issue. Not only does God want to commute and converse with us, he also wants to correct us. You know, we often see what we expect to see. When I was in business, I had a videotape I used to show people, and we would take and we would flip through a deck of cards very quickly, and we would say, what did you see? What did you? And they'd talk about it, and we'd say, okay, let's do this again. We'd do it again. Now what do you, what do you see? And they'd talk to us, and, you know, Pretty soon we'd slow it down, slow it down, and pretty soon when we're only doing one card at a time, somebody says, that heart is black. Why are, oh, all of the hearts in this deck are black. But they didn't expect to see it black, so they saw it red. And our mind plays tricks on us like that. And when it comes to spiritual things, we're like that too. We see what we expect to see. The disciples didn't expect to see anything great on this day. They're just walking back home, they're discouraged, and they didn't see what they expected to see. What does the master say? First of all, he said, 
you foolish and slow of heart. You don't get it. You don't understand what I'm about. I've been with you for three years and you still don't get it. How slow can you be? They missed what the prophets had said. Scripture, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And we need to be in the word of, of God. I, I admire you that are here studying to uh, understand Scripture and know what God is saying to you. But you also have to back out and see the big picture. What is it that God is doing in my life? What is it he's trying to do with me? Christ wants to correct us. The scripture says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking. These disciples were corrected by Christ and by scripture. Not only does God want to commute, converse, correct, he also wants to commune with you. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. I, I don't know how old I was before I finally understood why I was created. Have you thought about why you're created? I grew up in the church and they talked so much about evangelism and they talked so much about going door to door and I remember as a, as a teenager knowing I was a Christian and knowing I had to share God's good news and going to the door hoping nobody was home. <laughs> Knocking on those doors. And finally it occurred to me one day, I wonder who Adam was supposed to win to the Lord. Maybe I wasn't created to evangelize. Maybe I was created because God wanted to commune with me. And when we have enough of God's grace and enough of his love, we can't keep it to ourselves. And we will do some of these other things. But the real reason you exist is not to do any of those things. The reason you exist is because God, the Lord of this universe, wants to commune with you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. If it was not for that, I wouldn't waste my time here this evening. I would not even be at Nazarene Bible College. But I'm passionate about saying to you, God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son. He loves you so much that he created you that he could commune with you. What does scripture say? It says, look at me, I stand at the door, I knock, I come right in and sit down and sup with you. What did it say in our passage of scripture tonight? It said, Jesus acted as if he would go further, but they strongly urged him to say, once we have been corrected by Christ, we crave knowing more, and we are compelled to ask Christ to stay with us. Teach me more. Give me more. This is the reason I exist. Help me fill this void in my, in my chest. Commune with me. 
And then it says their eyes were opened. When they communed with him, when they sat at the table and he explained scripture and he communed with them, he gave them bread and broke it as they were communing. Then their eyes were opened and they understood what God was saying. Christ will not force his way into your life, but he wants to be your friend. Become friends with God. He is already a friend of yours. 2 Corinthians 5.20 God wants to be our friend. He wants to know us and commune with us. I must quickly move to the last one. Christ not only commutes, converses, corrects, communes, but he also wants to commission you to do his will and to do his good pleasure. The scripture says that at once they got up and they went back to the city. I have it in my mind that they jumped from the table and they began running back to the city. They, they went seven miles back to tell their good friends what had just happened to them. Now, you'd have to, th you'd have to know it's seven miles, it's, it's night, it's dangerous on this road, but they are running back to tell the good news. What is it that they are telling? Ah, they now know that Jesus Christ is alive. And you and I have that assurance in our hearts today that Jesus Christ is alive and well and he is looking after us. They understand now why Jesus was crucified. Why did he come? They also have discovered truth that they have to share. They can't keep it to themselves. God loves them too much. When we truly encounter Christ, we will share him and his extravagant love with others. I have to close, but have you discovered what it says in Scripture that God is for us? God is on your side. Not that you can do anything you want to do and it's okay, but he is looking out for your best interest. And as you're discouraged and as you are uh, walking along and you are having problems and difficulties, God says, I want to commute with you. I want to be there in your sorrows. I want to commune with you. I want to converse with you. And I want you to go and tell others the good news that I love them. Stand with me if you would, please. Father, you have sent your son, Jesus, to commute, converse, correct, commune, and commission us. Grant us the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the disappointments in our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Live today in Christ's presence, remembering he is near and will sustain you as you serve in his name. Lord bless you.